The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning, January the 11th, 2022. Still, once again, Happy New Year to everybody out there. Still breaking in 2022, and it got broken in last night with a new college football champion. We'll talk about that, of course, coming up. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. As we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, we will uh, absolutely talk about some local news as well because Arizona and uh, the Arizona football coaching staff making another big splash yesterday with a big transfer. We will uh, uh, look into the NFL, and you know, yesterday there was obviously some uh, moves being made by the teams that did not make the playoffs, firing some coaches and some general managers, and one general manager saying, you can't fire me because I quit. And so we'll have a you know, full discussion on that as uh, the NFL, <clears throat> you know, the NFL continues to prepare itself for the playoffs. And, uh, and some, you know, some of these teams are looking for new head coaches. We'll talk about that, um, some of the uh, people that they have requested to speak to, and if there are any college coaches currently sitting with a, a college football job that uh, may be looking to make that jump to the NFL ranks as well, as you know has happened many, many times over the years, uh, so, you know, often with little success. So we will, uh, we will discuss all of that coming up in a little bit. We also have some NBA news coming at you. The uh, Phoenix Suns are in Toronto tonight taking on the Raptors. Looks like the Raptors might be without two of their starters tonight as uh, some injuries kind of lingering with the Raptors team, and it looks like they're maybe going to get one player back for tonight as well. Um, and the Phoenix Suns appear to be healthy, and uh, they're traveling. Now they just need to get some uh, some road wins <clears throat> under their belt in the Eastern Conference and bring it back home and try to continue to secure that best the best record in the league. And we'll talk some Phoenix Suns basketball coming up in hour number two. But we begin with last night's championship football game as the Georgia Bulldogs defeat Alabama by a score of 33-18 to to claim their first national championship in 41 years. You know, it's been since the likes of Herschel Walker and Vince Dooley as the head coach there since uh, since Georgia was able to claim a national title. That was an AP title, of course, back then. It was when um, the AP voters actually knew what they were getting themselves into and actually knew what they were doing, and they would decide on a, uh, on a national champion in many times – they didn't know what they were doing, as we've continued to see over the years. Uh, there have been split national championships with the likes of, like, BYU and stuff. So um, there have been some interesting uh, uh, interesting developments in college football since then. But the college football playoff, the championship game, did not disappoint last night. It was a strange beginning to the game, the first half. I mean, just the, the beginning of the game, essentially, what was it, the second or third play of the game. And, you know, Bryce Young is – it, you know, is you know under some pressure from that uh, Georgia defensive line, which would be a sign of things to come. Fumbles appears to have fumbles the ball. It gets scooped up by a Georgia defender and run into the end zone for a, a scoop and score. And then it, you know it gets reviewed and they realize that his arm was going forward incomplete pass, and so the, the touchdown gets called back. And that'd be the only time either team would really sniff the end zone in the first half as they traded field goals. It was nine to six at halftime. Alabama with the lead. 
and then uh, Georgia was able to finally find the end zone in the third quarter there, <clears throat> taking that lead 13-9. to Then Alabama came right back and, uh, you know, and, and – you know, was able to put some some points on the board. They end up going up 18-13. Now, the game was 18-13 with 10 minutes left in in the game, in the fourth quarter. And then Georgia just went off. Like, Alabama at that point just couldn't couldn't stop the, the Georgia offense. They, you know, after Alabama scored, you know, they, you know, Alabama gets the, uh, they get the touchdown, the Cameron Latu uh, touchdown to put them up 18-13. It was 13-12 after they kicked a you know short little field goal there to begin the fourth quarter. And then they get the ball right back after a three and out. Defense forces a three and out. Um, and then they oh, – no, I'm sorry. That was the that was the, the, the fumble. The, that was the, fum, the, the weird fumble play. That's right. That's when it was. It, I'm trying to go through my memory of, of when the, the events occurred in the fourth quarter there. That was the fumble play. The you know the the Stetson Bennett, you know, was his arm going forward, and then was the recovery by Branch on the sideline? Was his toe in? Was he really trying to even recover the fumble? Like it was kind of a weird play. Alabama it, it, is determined, and, and I think rightfully so. I think it was the right call. Alabama was awarded possession at the uh, sixteen or seventeen yard line, whatever it was, and then a few plays later. Bryce Young finds Cameron Latu, his uh, his tight end, for a touchdown. They go for two because you're up five, and you always go for two when you're up five. They did not convert the two-point conversion, so the score stood at 18-13 with 10 minutes and 14 seconds remaining. Then Georgia just kind of turned on the Jets, and Alabama's secondary just – went you know we went to hell to be to be quite honest with you uh not only were they not really covering the receivers as well because i mean look the catch by adonai mitchell was it was a great catch it was a great throw by stetson bennett but the the coverage could have been better obviously there was no help uh on that back end and he was able to get in the end zone and score that 40-yard touchdown pass just two minutes later like, like georgia just went boom four plays 75 yards 40-yard touchdown pass and that was it. You know, that that drive was aided by a defensive pass interference uh, on a, you know, on a play where Alabama, you know, was just, the DBs were getting beat and had to commit the penalty. And then Georgia gets the ball back after Bama kind of flirts around a little bit. Georgia gets the ball back, and they go on a seven-play, 62-yard drive that only takes up about three minutes, three and a half minutes or so. And... They're able to find their freshman phenom tight end, Brock Bowers. He was wide open, and he just skates into the end zone. with a 15-yard uh, touchdown play there. And all of a sudden now you're like, oh, this is really bad for Alabama. If, if you were rooting for Alabama or if you had money on Alabama, whatever, you know, if you're just watching the game, um, that's when things turned really south for Alabama because – Alabama is not one of those teams that is designed to play from behind late. Alabama needs to, at least this year's iteration of the Crimson Tide football team, they need to play with a lead. They need to secure that lead because they can't. They can't just. Um, they, they're just not built for that. You know, it's and and I was having some conversations with some buddies last night watching the game, and I had disagreed with the way Alabama was running their offense, their, their two-minute offense, essentially, 
um, you know, two, three-minute offense or whatever. It, it just they, – they, they weren't rolling out Bryce Young at all. They're just having him stand in the pocket like he's, you know, like he's Tom Brady or something like that, trying to deliver the football from there, and it was not going well. Um, so Alabama's defense kind of gives up on him a little bit, especially in the secondary. They, you know, they give a couple of DPIs, a couple of touchdown plays where guys were pretty much unchecked, and uh, and then they have to come back on offense, and it just it just didn't look good from the beginning. They were kind of just barely hanging on there. And then Bryce Young launches a ball down the left sideline. Just it seemed to me more like a throw of desperation, kind of like you're watching a young quarterback who is hell bent on making a big play here on the biggest stage for a national championship for his coach and his teammates, and just launches the ball into the air. And the Georgia was ready for it. Like they they were they were coached up. They were ready. And Keely Ringo from Saguaro High School here in Scottsdale, the former five-star recruit. He's a redshirt freshman, and he sealed the deal when he intercepted Bryce Young's pass, returned it 79 yards to the house, which is the longest pick six in CFP championship game history. And that was the ball game right there. They kicked the extra point. They go up 15 with whatever it was, uh, you know, a minute, a minute nine to go or whatever it was. Alabama got the ball back. Game was over at that point. Sealed the deal. There was lots of tears and hugs happening on the Georgia sideline. Look, I'm I'm happy for you know for Kirby Smart. I'm happy for uh, Stetson Bennett. You know for the for the things that he's gone through as a as a JUCO transfer. You know slash walk on. I mean he had to split lockers with another walk on quarterback in 2017, his first season at Georgia. Then he left the program to go to JUCO program to get some playing time in. Then comes back and. There were fans and writers alike on Twitter last night at halftime, even into the third quarter, saying that they needed to bench Stetson Bennett for JT Daniels. And it's a good thing they didn't because I think that that Stetson Bennett had that late-game magic in him, Um, you you know, a a guy who just genuinely wanted to win that for not only for his teammates, for his coaches, but for the state of Georgia. You know, he's from Georgia – he grew up loving Georgia Bulldogs football. You know, JT Daniels couldn't care less about Georgia football other than the fact that he wears their jersey. Um, so I, I, I think he was the right he was the right choice, and there was a reason why he was so emotional on that sideline. So felt good for him. And look, you know, <laughs> he might be back next year. I don't think he's going to get drafted. He doesn't have NFL skill tools, and uh, you know, I, I think that Stetson Bennett could be back next year for Georgia. It'll be interesting to see if he gets benched or, you know, something if he gets passed over for another quarterback. It's hard to say that you would bench your national championship winning quarterback for someone else, but hey, you never know. This is college football after all, and it's the SEC. So um so look, you know, Georgia gets their first championship forty one years, and really you, you know, where it turned was when Alabama lost Jameson Williams, their uh, their speedy wide receiver, who had already had four catches for sixty five yards in a game, was starting to establish some form of dominance there in the secondary. And he goes down with a with a knee injury, looked pretty bad, probably an ACL. Very unfortunate for him. And unfortunate for Alabama is he joined his teammate, John Mechie, on the sideline in unpadded jersey and sweatpants to watch the rest of the game. Look, Alabama lost two 1,000-yard receivers uh, for the essentially for the last 
35, 40 minutes of that football game. That is a nearly impossible, even for Alabama, who's completely loaded, even for Alabama, that is a nearly impossible deficit to overcome. And you could tell uh, because, you know, Bryce Young had to throw 57 passes in that game, which is a career high for him. And I don't know if I've ever seen an Alabama team throw that many passes in a single football game. They just, you know, 57 passes is ridiculous. That's like watching 2019 LSU. Um, but, you know, he threw 57 passes, and he's throwing it to a bunch of freshman receivers in the biggest game of the season. And it just didn't work out. They they couldn't get proper separation. There were moments where he was trying to communicate with them, and they weren't picking it up properly. There was miscommunication in the middle of plays. It just it didn't go well for Alabama. Their offense wasn't nearly as crisp as we had seen it not only this year but in previous years. And the Heisman Trophy winner just couldn't find his targets. He had a bunch of young targets. And uh, look, credit Georgia, obviously very, very good defense, had one of the best defenses in the country, even the top two defenses in the country all year long. Uh, credit them for, you know, for doing a great job, uh, you know, on the back end. But – it was really their pressure up front that, that caused all the problems for Alabama. The, they weren't able to get any kind of pressure in the SEC championship game against Alabama. They really struggled to get after Bryce Young. He had all day to throw the football, and he was just delivering dimes all over the field. He had Jameson Williams for that game, obviously. Uh, had John Mechie for a little bit of that game. Um, oh, I believe, no, Mechie was out for that game because he injured himself at the end of the Auburn game. That's right. So he had... He did not have Mechie for that game, but he did have Jameson Williams had a big breakout game uh, against Georgia in that dominant performance in the SEC champ game. But Georgia changed things up. You know, they had time, and they knew that they had to be able to create pressure with four- and five-man fronts and let those six- and seven guys cover the back end and, you know, just basically, uh, you know, lock up receivers, make sure that the safeties were buttoned up in the positions that they needed to be, covering the quarters, and – they were good to go because they were able to get pressure on that Alabama offensive line who, listen, you know, when, when uh, you know, because I picked Georgia to win the SEC championship game because after watching three, four weeks of Alabama's offensive line completely struggle at the end of the regular season, I felt like Georgia's defensive line would have their way with Alabama's offensive line. That, of course, did not happen. Um, and then on the, on the other, and, you know, this side, I was like, okay, well, in the championship game, Alabama proved to me that their offensive line was up to the task of dealing with Georgia's off, you know, defensive line. So I, that's one of the reasons why I'm going to pick Alabama to win the national championship game. And, again, I was wrong. Hashtag can't predict college football. Uh, it, 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 was, it was a frustrating game to watch if you, were, if you were rooting for Alabama because they just never got on track after Jamison Williams left the game. It was just, uh, it was just really, really difficult. Alabama also had a, a field goal blocked for the first time since 2012 in that program, like the, the, the field goal that was blocked in the third quarter. Uh, for the first time since 2012, that's like a weekly occurrence in the Pac-12. But, uh, yeah, Alabama doesn't – well, they probably don't kick a whole lot of field goals either. But, uh, but nonetheless, just things happening in that game that you just knew when watching the game that, that Georgia was going to uh, claim that victory. And really, there were, there was none other than if just watching the game, just the talent level that Georgia had, and you're, I'm watching the game and I'm thinking to myself, like, my God, 
Georgia is the more talented team this year. Like they're they're just they're just they're better. They've got better players than Alabama does, and that was a a very stark reality um, about midway through the third quarter, end of the third quarter. When I just I was looking at them like they just they've got better dudes, and so I decided to kind of dig in and look into that and just kind of see numbers wise whether that was true or not. And we'll talk about that coming up after the break because recruiting matters, obviously, in college football. We know that the top teams get the top recruits and the teams with those top recruits end up playing for national championships. And that was very, very evident last night in the game when you look at the recruiting history of those two programs over the last four years. And we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. Also, I'm going to take a way too early look ahead at the 2022 college football season. Some of my favorites to play in the national, in the in the college football playoffs, the the Final Four, if you will, uh, earn a bid into the Final Four of the playoffs for next season. We'll also give a little update, you know, because the the commissioners and the you know the the group that is essentially meeting for the expansion of the college football playoff had been meeting for the previous three days leading up to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, leading up to the national championship game. And it left a, a bad taste in basically everyone's mouth there that, that had uh, that had engaged in those meetings. Apparently it did not go well. And when I say it did not go well, it went horribly. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit as well. And, of course, the Jedi at work again. Jed Fish gets a transfer that uh, is going to make a difference in this program immediately. We'll talk about that as we load up on college football here in our number one. Stay tuned to ESPN Tucson. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now, as I'm watching the game last night, and I, it came to the realization that Georgia just simply had better players, which you do not get a chance to see against Alabama. In fact, I, like I, there may have been two times in the last dozen years where I've said the opposing team had better players than Alabama did. Uh, you know, the year that they got squashed by Clemson, obviously Clemson was completely loaded that year. They sent eight guys to the NFL in the first three rounds of the draft, which is remarkable. Plus, they had Trevor Lawrence, who ended up becoming the one, the number one overall pick in the uh, in the NFL draft. So, yeah, uh, they were pretty loaded. So, I got to thinking. I'm like, okay, well, what is what you know? What do these teams' recruiting classes look like? What, what did they What did they look like four years ago when they were building this run? Obviously, Alabama was in the middle of continuing to assert their dominance on the recruiting trail and in college football and win championships and all that and win the SEC. And Georgia was kind of, I don't want to say starting over, but with a new coach in, in, in you know, in Kirby Smart, who played at, at Georgia, by the way, you know, which is always huge. I, I know people kind of poo-poo that a little bit, but I think that in situations like this when it really matters and you have that love in your heart and that passion in your heart, for that program, it, it makes a difference. Like you, you work that much harder, and I think that was on display last night. So I got to be, I got to thinking. I'm like, okay, 
let's take a look at the recruiting rankings of of the of the two schools that met last night. Now Alabama had the number one rated class in 2017 recruiting class. Georgia's was third, so they came on Kirby Smart in his second year at Georgia just came on like gangbusters, started winning the recruiting trail. Then Georgia in the 2018 class, number one in the country. Alabama was fifth that year. They had slid a little bit, probably didn't have as many scholarships to give away. They had returning too many players, and uh, so that hurt their rankings because their overall composite number didn't, didn't rise. In 2019, they were number one and two in the country in, in recruiting. Alabama was one, Georgia was two. In 2020, they were one and two again, this time reversed. Georgia had the number one class. Alabama had the number two class. And in the, for the 2021 class, Alabama's national ranking was one. Georgia's was four. And I know that was because Georgia didn't have all the scholarships that they needed to hand out, obviously, because look at how experienced their team was this year. Look at all those guys. I mean, it is going to be a, a march of – bulldogs into the nfl next year the nfl draft is going to be owned by the university of georgia this upcoming uh this upcoming draft it's it's (laughs) we'll talk about that because we will we'll definitely have a lot of draft coverage leading up that's like you know my christmas is is the the nfl draft so uh they you know it'll be a complete marching of of georgia players we know that alabama's a little bit younger you know, we talked about their freshman receivers, uh, obviously the, 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 the freshman Heisman Trophy winner and Bryce Young, a quarterback, he can't go anywhere. Uh, the offensive line is going to lose a couple of guys, but that's about it. Defensively, the best defensive player in the country, Will Anderson Jr., the, the ridiculously good linebacker, he's coming back next year. So, you know, they're not going to lose a whole guy, a lot of guys to the, to the NFL draft this year. Um, so – Essentially, those were the top two recruiting schools in the country the last four or five years, right? The last four or five classes, they've been number one, number two, number three, whatever. Last night, I, I, I looked into this. Looking at the amount of five-star and four-star players on those teams' rosters, Georgia last night had 19 five-star players on their roster. 19! That's... I... Like, if you don't like, if you don't follow recruiting all that closely, and you don't understand just how ridiculous that is, that's a quarter. It's essentially just under a quarter of your team's scholarship players earned five stars from some, you know, from the recruiting ranking, the recruiting raters uh, coming out of high school. And again, they were led by a quarterback who was a two-star rated quarterback coming out of high school. So the stars don't always matter. But I'll tell you what. Uh, it's it's a much more refined system than it was even five years ago, let alone ten years ago, and those recruiting services don't miss a whole lot anymore. They are very very good because there's so many people ingrained in it. They also had 42 four star players on their roster. So, of their 85 scholies, 61 of them were to four and five star players. 19 five star players. That's insane. So then I looked at Bama. I'm like, well, Bama should be pretty close. And they, they were. Bama only had 14 five-star players. So they were going to pick things up there in, uh, in Tuscaloosa. They're, they're losing out on uh, too many five-stars. Only 14 on that roster uh, last night for Alabama. But they had 60, 6-0, four-star players. 
So 74 of the 85 scholarships on that football team were to four- and five-star players. Could you imagine what a Pac-12 team would look like if it had even one-half of that? Like, USC and Oregon will get, like, six. Like, like six a year. <laughs> of You know, that they'll get, like, one or two five-stars and, like, you know, five or six four-stars or whatever, seven, whatever. Like, th- these teams are just factories. Absolute factories. It's insane. <laughs> the amount of talent. And, look, you know, it, it was obviously on display last night. They were... Both teams are, are just ridiculously good, and I know I wouldn't want to play either one of them. It's, it, 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 I mean, we know what happened. We saw, we saw what happened when when Arizona went down to LSU and played uh, LSU in that game. It's, you know, <laughs> kind of a stark reminder. We're going to play with, with, uh, Mississippi State this year. Now that I, I know they're not on the level of Alabama and Georgia. They've played some pretty close games with them um, over the last few years, and it's a good program. It's an SEC program. They recruit. You know, SEC trails, so uh, that'll be a good litany test for uh, for the Wildcats. Speaking of the Wildcats, this was a this was a tweet that I saw last night, shortly before I went to bed, and it really caught my attention. It was from Darren Montgomery. Now, Darren Montgomery is on Jed Fish's staff right now. He's a he's an, he's like the like the senior analyst of of the offense. He, he's you know he works with the offense and. Uh, works with Jed Fish in concert with Jed Fish to construct um, offensive game plans and schemes and work with the players and player development and things like that. Now, Darren spent his previous two seasons as the assistant director of player development at Georgia. So these guys that I was just talking about, the the sixty one you know, or sixty two whatever five star and four star players that were on the field last night, were all you know essentially uh, you know hands-on from this guy, Darren Montgomery. Not just this guy. Darren Montgomery, uh, who works under Jed Fish right now for the uh, for the Wildcats. He was the assistant director of player development there in Georgia. And, you know, has a, has a, has a nice resume. He's a young, up-and-coming coach and professional in this, uh, in, in this sport, and we're lucky to have him. Now, this is what he tweeted out last night shortly after the ball game had come to a close. He said, quote, I love the Georgia Bulldogs – and every single person on that team and in that organization, they are amazing. But to all the people asking if I wish I would have stayed there, I'd leave and join Coach Jed Fish here at Arizona a million times all over again. Bear down. That's that's saying something. That's That's someone who's in your program who is – tugging the rope in the same direction as everybody else. You know, I, I, I talked at length about how important it was to have a guy like Tyler Owens in this program, T.O., as we know him, the strength and conditioning coordinator for, uh, for Arizona football, spending the, the years that he did at Alabama, not only as a player, but also in their strength and conditioning program. Having him here and that work ethic and understanding what it's like to be inside of a championship program, not only as a player, but as, as a coach, as a part of the staff. Darren Montgomery, also now, somebody who is on Jed Fish's staff who has, has you know, been a part and touched a major part of that championship program that we saw last night in Georgia. And both of them are completely stoked to be where they are. Both of them have been commenting 
just how great it is to be here. And I know that's, you know, it, it could be hyperbole. It could just be excitement for getting a promotion and things like that. But there's something about Jed Fish. There's something about him that people are just magnetized to him. One of those people, a transfer quarterback from inside the conference, the reigning Pac-12 freshman of the year, was so magnetized to him that he said, I'm going to come play for you. I got three years of eligibility left. I'm going to leave my Pac-12 North school and head down to the Southwest and come play quarterback in Tucson for the Wildcats. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Going to talk some local right now because the Jedi was at it again, pulling Jedi mind tricks on the rest of the country. And look, from the time that Jaden Delora had decommitted or essentially entered the transfer portal, let's say, from Washington State, it did not take long for him to commit to the University of Arizona. And that's exactly what happened last night as Jaden Delora, the freshman quarterback, the reigning freshman player of the year, second-year freshman, redshirt freshman, second-year freshman, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't a red shirt. It was the COVID shirt. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, he did play in 2020 um, in the COVID year. Also, obviously, had a fantastic season last year for the uh, for the Cougars. Uh, just just under 3,000 yards passing, to about 27, 2796. Um, and the most passing touchdowns in the conference 23 touchdowns through nine picks uh, also in that game but or in the uh, in the game in this in the season but uh, he won the 2012 or 2021 Jesus Pac-12 freshman of the year award uh, and look this is an exciting time for for Wildcat fans as we've been kind of discussing okay what is that quarterback room going to look like and we knew that two quarterbacks were coming off of season-ending injuries, surgery, Gunnar Cruz, of course, another transfer from Wazoo, and Jordan McLeod, the transfer from South Florida, both of them having season-ending surgery. Will Plummer, who took an absolute beating in the in the final five games that, uh, that Arizona played uh, but showed you know, market improvement, and then, of course, with freshman incomer Noah Fafita. And, look, if you're starting a true freshman at quarterback – you're putting a lot of faith in those guys around him, not just him himself, but those players around him as well to uh, to lift him up and take care of him. It, it's it's a very difficult proposition for a team, especially a team that is rebuilding like Arizona is. Uh, it would be difficult to just inject a f- true freshman right there. Not that Noah Fafita couldn't do it. I'm just saying it's a difficult situation for, for everybody. Um, so getting someone with some seasoning was going to be important for Jed Fish, not only just because of we don't know, you know what you know what the quarterback room is going to look like. We don't know how quickly Gunnar Cruz and Jordan McLeod were going to bounce back from their injuries and their surgeries. If they were going to be ready, would they be the same? Blah blah blah. I mean, you always have to you know worry about these things with players coming back from season-ending injuries. 
this was an important get for Jed Fish. They, you know, they had been talking to several quarterbacks throughout this transfer portal season. This one is, you know, it brings them a guy who not only has some seasoning, has been in the the Pac-12 for two years now uh, at Washington State, but he still has three years of eligibility left, um, you know, for this. Now, I would be lying if I said that I think he's going to play all three years here at Arizona. I think Jaden Delora, who was, you know, he was a very highly rated quarterback coming out of Hawaii. He was a four-star quarterback coming out of Hawaii. He had offers from Ohio State, USC, Georgia, um, <laughs> yeah, BYU, San Diego State. Uh, he had offers from a lot of – Oregon State offered him. You know, he had offers from a, from a lot of places. He decided to go and play for uh, for Nick Rolovich, who had made that connection with him when Rolo was at Hawaii on the island there, of course, and uh, had made that connection with him and, and brought Jaden Delora essentially with him to uh, to Washington State. So, look, this is a this is a wonderful get for Arizona, and I know that there are people out there that are like, oh, you know, what's going to happen, you know, with all these you know player transfers and the transfer portal stuff. You know, is Noah Fafita gonna? Uh, is he gonna? You know, turn on his commitment? Is he gonna? Uh, you know, enter the transfer portal before he gets here? You know, he just got on campus yesterday, and all of a sudden now we're announcing a, a quarterback. A, you know, a, a guy who's going to be a sophomore and has three years of eligibility left. Look, don't worry about it. It's all going to play itself out. The reason that that uh, that these kids are coming here are to compete for you know you know for for a job. They were not recruited they were not given the you know the the idea that they were going to be the starting quarterback from day one the the reason Noah Fafita signed with Arizona was not because Jed Fish told him that he was going to be the starter day one as a freshman that's people think that that stuff happens all the time it doesn't okay it happens in situations of desperation where you're trying to negatively recruit against other programs that you're like, well, you'll never play there. You're going to play right away here at this of the school. Okay. No, Fafita did not join Jed Fish's team because he was promised anything. Okay. If you, if you think that's the case, you're wrong. That's just, it's just plain and simple. Um, they came here to compete with the, with the knowledge that they were going to be able to compete for a starting position. And that's the best that you can do. And look, those are the types of players that you want in your program. You want players that are going to show up, want to compete for the starting position, work hard, not be just handed the job because those guys stick out like sore thumbs. Interestingly enough also is that Jaden Delora and T. Tyroa McMillan, or Tetaroa McMillan, however you, T-Mac, as we know him, uh, they're really close friends, you know, Two superstar players like that growing up on one small island, of course they're going to know each other extremely well. So um, that's an interesting little dynamic as well, as those two are very, very familiar. They're very close friends. Um, so that's that's an important little aspect as well. So now looking at Arizona's offense, <laughs> like you have to be excited, right? I mean, what we saw over the weekend out of Speedy Luke, and Rayshon Luke, the, the MVP of the All-American Bowl, I talked about yesterday – you know, the the uh, uh, the next gen stats tracked his speed on that 66 yard touchdown run. They clocked him at 21.9 miles per hour, which was also the same speed that Tyreek Hill was clocked in 2020 on a touchdown run in Week 14 for the Kansas or Week 10 for the Kansas City Chiefs. So there's some excitement going around, and it's not just with with those two guys. You know, there's there's plenty of other 
incoming guys. There's plenty of other transfers and guys that are already here. Like, we didn't even get to see Mayjean Wright play last year because of, you know, transfer issues and all this other stuff. Look, I saw Mayjean Wright play in 2020. He was really good. <laughs> and, I mean, you, you could just see it oozing out of him. The, the, the talent, the fluidity, the, the speed, the ability to get open, to make guys miss. Like, th- this is going to be a really, really exciting offense to watch. And, you know, I thought it was I, – I don't remember who mentioned it last night. It might have been Michael Lev or, or you know, one of the, one of the writers that, that covers the team and does a great job there in Tucson of covering the teams. The, you know, they had mentioned that Jed Fish brought up in several occasions during his final press conference with the media – that he was extremely disappointed with the point output of Arizona's offense this season, as rightfully so. I mean, it was we didn't score a whole lot of points. It was it was difficult to score points, and you know, got into a uh, you know, trading field goals for touchdowns in the in the territorial cup game, which is always going to make you lose every single time. Uh, they've changed that. <laughs> they've turned that around immediately, and now the focus is you know possibly with uh, with bringing in some offensive linemen. How are we going to protect? This new quarterback. How are we going to protect any of our quarterbacks? How are we going to be able to run the football? Um, you know, the, the the running back room is good. We need to be able to block for those guys. Do we have the dudes up front to be able to make that push? Because I'll tell you what, when looking at the rest of the Pac-12 South, okay, now ASU is kind of in disarray right now. They've, I think, they've had five four-star or higher recruits transfer out this off-season. Their 2022 class uh, recruiting class was 90th in the country, uh, which <laughs> is like reaching John Makovic type uh, numbers, which is really bad. Obviously, we we you know we know that they they're in a little bit of trouble. However, UCLA, their defensive line, and I know they've had a couple of transfers. They're going to continue to recruit well because it's UCLA, and they 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 always get dudes in the trenches. Always. Look at the NFL. There's plenty of guys in the NFL that play defensive line at UCLA. You look at USC. We know that they're going to be talented because it's USC. They're going to get dudes on that defensive line. Colorado has been really focusing on shoring up the trenches. Carl Durrell, their head coach there, is very much focused on making sure that they don't get beat on the line of scrimmage. They were tough on the line of scrimmage anyway last year. And they're going to be just as good, if not better, this year. And Utah, and we'll talk about them coming up. Utah is one of the best teams in the country. And we know that their defensive line is up to the task. So Arizona's going to have to get some dudes on offensive line because we lost a lot of guys. Now, you know, Arizona's going to lose a bunch from their offensive line this year, an offensive line that was beleaguered. They had to move guys around. It was kind of like watching a – watching the shell game, right, moving moving guys around all over that offensive line. And Brennan Carroll had to really had his work cut out for him this season, trying to make sure he had guys fit in the right spaces. So uh, there's still plenty of work to be done. But I think the, you know, the, the, the speed and the ability and the skill that is required on the offensive side of the ball, that's taken care of. We got those guys. And they're young, and they're, they're going to produce. Now it's up to the rest of the you know the staff to round out the rest of the recruiting class. May need another linebacker, another secondary player, and they got to shore up that 
that offensive line. The offensive line is, is number one priority right now. They'll be looking for transfers in that area as well. All right. So good news for the uh, for the Wildcats and look, Jed Fish and his staff continue to just amaze people all across the country. There were there were national writers last night. They were just like, I don't know how he's doing it, but they've got the number twenty two class coming in for two thousand and twenty two, uh, and gets one of the best freshman quarterbacks in the transfer portal to come and join the program inside the conference. Great stuff. All right, coming up next, a way too early look ahead the two thousand twenty two season. Uh, the college football playoff, my picks for the best teams coming into 2022. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment of the 7 o'clock hour here. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk some NFL as we do every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. That's my promise to you. We'll also talk some NBA and some college hoops as well. Let's take a way too early look at, a, at, at the 2022 the college football season and, and my picks for the college football playoff. I've got essentially here my top six teams and then one sleeper team. Number one team coming back next year is Alabama. I, they're loaded, they're young. They got a lot of guys coming back. They've got the Heisman Trophy winner quarterback, the best defensive player in the country in Will Anderson, and of course the greatest coach of all time in Nick Saban. They're the number one team. They're the team to beat next year. Number two on my list, I have Ohio State. Look, they they could push to break all of 2019 LSU's passing records. CJ Stroud is is insanely good. And their wide receiver room. Even though they're losing a couple guys in the NFL, they're just going to reload with uh, Jackson Smith, Najaba, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. might recognize that name. Yeah, they're all back. <laughs> they're going to score a ton of points in uh, in the 2022 season. I think they're the second best team heading in right now. Now, I move this team into a spot because of recruiting history and because they've already beaten Alabama, not Georgia. I got Texas A&M as the number three team in the country. They've got a solid quarterback room. They got uh, Haynes King is coming back. Max Johnson uh, tr- uh, transferred from LSU, so they've you know they've got a solid quarterback room. They've also got back to back number one recruiting classes in the country. <laughs> so those guys that were the number one recruiting class, the number one freshman class, they've had a year of seasoning. They're coming back as sophomores. That team is loaded with talent. They're going to be very good. I think they're a top four team. Georgia, look. You know, they continue to recruit well. We talked about their recruiting prowess over the last five years. I know they're going to lose a ton of guys to the NFL. Not sure who their quarterback's going to be next year. Will it be Stetson Bennett? Will it be somebody else? But I do know this. They will be talented, <laughs> and Kirby Smart will just reload on that talent, and they're going to be very good. They're a top-four team, in my opinion. Uh, number five, I have Clemson. A complete coaching overhaul. Okay, you know, you know they they lose defensive coordinator, of course, Max Ven, or, uh, Max Venables, uh, Brent Venables, to uh, to Oklahoma. They're going to have to, you know, they've lost some guys because Venables took some dudes with him. They've they've got a coaching overhaul to come, you know, overcome there with Dabo Sweeney, and they've got a young roster in 2021 that gained a lot of experience. Clemson will be back in the mix in the ACC and nationally in 2022. My number six team, Utah. 
Cameron Rising returns at quarterback. Tavian Thomas returns at running back. We know the defense is still the best in the Pac-12, and they showed and proved they could play on a national stage with Ohio State, one of the best teams in the entire country. Utah is a legit contender for the college football playoff heading into this season. They are very, very good. They're extremely well coached. We know that. Uh, And they are the best team in the Pac-12. Now, as far as my sleeper goes, Wake Forest. Wake Forest won 11 games for the first time in program history this year. They return like 19 starters from this year's team, including including, uh, quarterback Sam Hartman. They've got an explosive offense, and they get to play Clemson at home. That's their bugaboo every year is playing Clemson. They get Clemson and Winston-Salem. That's going to be one heck of a matchup. Hopefully the uh, the conference schedules that for later in the season when the games are really, really on the line. So there you go. There's my top six plus my sleeper. I got Wake Forest sneaking in there. They've got an outside chance to make the college football playoff in 2022. All right. Hour number one in the books. Just a quick two-minute turnaround here into hour number two. NFL, NBA, college football. Stick around for a whole lot more on the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.